All right, ladies and gents, welcome to another week and another installment of Tozer Tuesday. Here's the thing. Who knows what day Tozer Tuesday is going to be on, you know? Because when you're following the Lord, according to Hebrews 3 and 4, every day that is called today is supposed to be our day of rest and of work at the same time somehow. So here we are on a Wednesday. Yep. Doing Tozer Tuesday. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. I hope this stuff has been a blessing to y'all. Um, we've really intended for it to be and prayed for it to be. Uh, like we've said in weeks previous, this is uh, one of our favorite books that's really challenged us to grow more near to the Lord. And so we hope it'll do the same for you. We're currently on chapter 7. If you are a Roman, uh, chapter VII uh, is what we're on. And uh, it's called The Gaze of the Soul. Um, so me and Kevin are going to take some time to read it uh, out loud for y'all. Um, we're not paid by Audible, but Kevin maybe should be, you know, because uh, he has a great voice. I've looked into it before. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we're going to read through this chapter, and then afterwards we're going to take some time and process it between the two of us and kind of talk about what uh, what God taught us through it. And so... Kevin's been putting time snippets. Are you still doing that? Yeah. If you've already read, you can skip forward to blank. 2630. Perfect. Sweet. So uh, do you want me to go ahead and start us off, and then I'll tag you in, or you want to start us off? Uh, you can go ahead. All right. We're going to start in on Chapter 7 of The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. It's called The Gaze of the Soul. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews Chapter 12, verse 2. Let us think of our intelligent plain, uh, plain man mentioned in chapter 6, coming for the first time to the reading of the scriptures. He approaches the Bible without any previous knowledge of what it contains. He is holy without prejudice. He has nothing to prove and nothing to defend. Such a man will not have read long until his mind begins to observe certain truths standing out from the page. They are the spiritual principles behind the record of God's dealings with men and woven into the writings of holy men as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. As he reads on, he might want to number these truths as they become clear to him and make a brief summary under each number. These summaries will be the tenets of his biblical creed. Further reading will not affect these points except to enlarge and strengthen them. Our man is finding out what the Bible actually teaches. High up on the list of things which the Bible teaches will be the doctrine of faith. The place of weighty importance which the Bible gives to faith will be too plain for him to miss. He will very likely conclude, faith is all important in life and the life of the soul. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith will get me anything, take me anywhere in the kingdom of God. But without faith, there can be no approach to God, no forgiveness, no deliverance, no salvation, no communion, no spiritual life at all. By the time our friend has reached the 11th chapter of Hebrews, the eloquent encomium, which is there pronounced upon faith, will not seem strange to him. He will have read Paul's powerful defense of faith in his Roman and Galatian epistles. Later, if he goes on to study church history, he will understand the amazing power in the teachings of the Reformers as they showed the central place of faith in the Christian religion. 
Now, if faith is so vitally important, if it is an indispensable must in our pursuit of God, it is perfectly natural that we should be deeply concerned over whether or not we possess this most precious gift. And our minds being what they are, it is inevitable that sooner or later we should get around to inquiring after the nature of faith. What is faith? Would lie close to the question, do I have faith? And we and would demand an answer if it were anywhere to be found. So what is faith? Would lie close to the question, do I have faith? And would demand an answer if it is anywhere to be found. Almost all who preach or write to the subject of faith uh, have much the same things to say concerning it. They tell us that it is believing a promise, that it is talking God, uh, taking God at his word, that it is reckoning the Bible to be true and stepping out upon it. The rest of the book or sermon is usually taken up with stories of persons who have had their prayers answered as a result of their faith. These answers are mostly direct gifts of a practical and temporal nature, such as health, money, physical protection, or success in business. Or if the teacher is a, of a philosophic turn uh, of mind, he may uh, take another course and lose us in a welter of metaphysics or uh, snow us under, uh, under with psychological jargon as he defines and redefines uh, pairing the slender of hair of faith thinner and thinner until it disappears in gossamer shavings at last. <laughs> when he is finished, we get up disappointed and go out by the same door where we went in. Surely there must be something better than this. In the scriptures, there is practically no effort made to define faith outside of a brief 15-word definition in Hebrews 11.1. I know, of no biblical de- uh, I know of no biblical definition, and even there, faith is defined functionally, not philosophically. That is, it is a statement of what faith is in operation, not what it is in es- essence. It assumes the presence of faith and shows what it results in rather than what it is. We will be wise to go just that far and attempt no, to go no further. We are told from whereence it comes and by what means. Faith is a gift of God, and faith comes by hearing, and the ear of, uh, to hearing by the word of God. This, is much, uh, this much is clear, and to paraphrase Thomas Akempis, I had rather exercise faith than know the definition thereof. Amen. For here, uh, from here on, when the word faith is, or when the words faith is, or their equivalent occur in this chapter, I ask that they be understood to refer to the, to what faith is in operation, as exercised by a believing man. Right here, we drop the notion of defining and thinking about faith as it may be experienced in action. The complexion of our thoughts will be practical, not theoretical. In a dramatic story in the book of Numbers, faith is seen in action. Israel became discouraged and spoke against God, and the Lord sent uh, the Lord sent fiery serpents among them, and they bit the people, and many people of Israel died. 
Then Moses sought the Lord for them, and he heard and gave them a remedy against the bite of the serpents. He commanded Moses to make a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole in sight of all the people, and it shall be that anyone that is bitten and looks upon it shall live. Moses obeyed, and it came to pass that when a serpent bit anyone, he beheld the serpent of brass and lived. Numbers 21, 4 through 9. In the New Testament, this is important. Uh, this important bit of history is interpreted for us by no less an authority than our Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is explaining to his hearers how they may be saved. He tells them that it is by believing. Then, to make it clear, he refers to the incident in the book of Numbers. And as Moses lifted up the serpent, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John three fourteen through fifteen. Our plain man in reading this would make an important discovery. He would notice that look and believe are, syn- are synonymous terms. Looking on the Old Testament uh, serpent is identical with believing on the New Testament Christ. That is, the looking and the believing are the same thing. And he would understand that while Israel looked with their external eyes, believing is done with the heart. I think we would conclude that faith is the gaze of a soul upon a saving God. When he had seen this, he would remember passages he had read before, and their meaning would come flooding over him. They looked upon him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Psalms 34, 5. Unto thee, lift, uh, unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of slaves look unto the hands of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress. So our eyes wait upon the Lord our God, until he shall save mercy, until he shall have mercy upon us. Psalms thou, hast, thou hast read well, Kevin. <laughs> I'm not used to the old King James. <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, Psalms 123, 1 through 2. Uh, here the man seeking uh, mercy looks straight at the, at the God of mercy and never takes his eyes away from him until mercy is granted. And our Lord himself looked always at God. Looking, upon to, uh, looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples. Matthew fourteen nineteen. Indeed, Jesus taught that he wrought his works by always keeping his inward eyes upon his Father. His power lay in his continuous look at God. John five nineteen uh, through 21. In full accord with the few texts we have quoted is the whole tenor of the inspired word. It is summed up for us in the Hebrew epistle when we are instructed to run life's race looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. From all this, we learn that faith is not a once-done act, but a continuous gaze of the heart at the triune God. Believing, then, is directing the heart's attention to Jesus. It is lifting the mind to behold the Lamb of God and never ceasing that beholding for the rest of our lives. At first, this may be difficult, but it becomes easier as we look steadily at his wondrous person, quietly and without strain. Distractions may hinder, 
But once the heart is committed to him, after each brief excursion away from him, the attention will return again and rest upon him like a wandering bird coming back to its window. I would emphasize this one committal, this one great uh, volitional act, which establishes the heart's intention to gaze forever upon Jesus. God takes this intention for our choice and makes uh, what allowances he must for the thousand distractions which beset us in this evil world. He knows that we have set the direction of our hearts toward Jesus, and we can know it too, and comfort ourselves with the knowledge that a habit of soul is forming which will become, after a while, a sort of spiritual reflex, requiring no more conscious effort on our part. Faith faith is the least self-regarding of the virtues. It is by its very nature scarcely conscious of its own existence, like the eye which sees everything in front of it and never sees itself. Faith is occupied with the object upon which it rests and pays no attention to itself at all. While we are looking at God, we do not see ourselves. Blessed riddance. The man who has struggled to purify himself and has had nothing but repeated failures will experience real relief when he stops tinkering with his own soul and looks away to the perfect one. While he looks at Christ, the very things he has so long been trying to do will be getting done within him. It will be God working in him to will and to do. Faith is not in itself a meritorious act. The merit is in the one toward whom uh, it is directed. Faith is a redirecting of our sight, a getting out of the focus of our own vision and getting God into focus. Sin has twisted our vision inward and made it self-regarding. Unbelieving has put self where God should be and is perilously close to the sin of Lucifer who said, I will set my throne above the throne of God. Faith looks out instead of in, and the whole life falls into line. All this may seem too simple, but we have no apology to make. To those who would seek to climb into heaven after help, uh, after help or descend into hell, God says, the word is nigh thee, even the word of faith. The word introduces us to lift up our eyes, our, sorry, the word induces us to lift up our eyes unto the Lord and be blessed, uh, and, and the blessed work of faith begins. So, so I'm going to read that one more time. The word induces us to lift up our eyes unto the Lord, and the blessed work of faith begins. When we lift our inward eye, uh, eyes to gaze upon God, we are sure to meet friendly eyes gazing back at us. For it is written that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth. The sweet language of experience is, Thou, God, seest me. When the eyes of the soul look, looking out meet the eyes of God looking in, heaven has begun right here on this earth. When all my endeavor is turned toward thee, because all thy endeavor is turned toward me, when I look unto thee alone with all my attention, nor ever turn aside the eyes of my mind, because thou dost enfold me uh, with thy constant regard, when I direct my love toward thee alone because thou, who art love's self, hast turned thee toward me alone. And what, Lord, is my life? 
save that embrace uh, wherein thy delightsome sweetness doth so lovingly enfold me. So wrote Nicholas of Cuza 400 years ago. I should like to say, uh, say more about this old man of God. He is not much uh, known today anywhere among Christian believers. And among current fundamentalists, he is not known at all. I feel that we would gain much from a little acquaintance with men of his spiritual flavor and the school of Christian thought which they represent. Christian literature, to be accepted and approved by the evangelical leaders of our times, must follow very closely the same train of thought, a kind of party line from which it is scarcely safe to depart. A half century of this in America has made us smug and content. We imitate each other with slavish devotion, and our most strenuous efforts are put forth to try to say the same thing that everyone around us is saying, and yet to find an excuse for saying it. Some little safe variation on the approved theme, or if more, at least a new illustration. Nicholas was a true follower of Christ, a lover of the Lord, radiant and shining in his devotion to the person of Jesus. His his theology was orthodox, but fragrant and sweet as everything about Jesus might properly be expected to be. His conception of eternal life, for instance, is beautiful in itself, and if I mistake not, is nearer in spirit to John 17.3 than that which is current among us today. Life eternal, says Nicholas, is not other than that blessed regard wherewith thou never ceasest to behold me, yea, even the secret places of my soul. With thee to behold is to give life. Tis unceasingly to impart sweetest love of thee. Tis to inflame me to love of of thee by love's imparting and to feed me by inflaming and by feeding to kindle my yearning, and by kindling to make me drink of the dew of gladness, and by drinking to infuse me a foundation of life, and by infusing to make it increase and endure. Now if faith is the gaze of the heart, and if this gaze is but the raising of the inward eyes to meet the all-seeing eyes of God, then it follows that it is one of the easiest things possible to do. It would be like God to make the most vital thing easy and place it within range of possibility for the weakest and poorest of us. Several conclusions may fairly be drawn from all this. The simplicity of it, for instance. Since believing is looking, it can be done without special equipment or religious paraphernalia. God has seen it God has seen to it that the one life and death essential can never be subject uh, to the caprice of accident. Equipment can break down or get lost. Water can leak away. Records can be destroyed by fire. The minister can be delayed or the church burned down. All these are external to the soul and are subject to accident or mechanical failure. But looking is of the heart and can be done successfully by any man standing up or kneeling down or lying in his last agony a thousand miles from any church. Since believing is looking, it can be done any time. No season superior to another season or the sweetest of all acts. Uh, for the sweet of, sweetest of all acts. Uh, 
Jesus, God never made salvation dependent upon uh, new moons or holy days or Sabbaths. A man is not nearer to Christ on Easter Sunday than he is, say, on Saturday. I turned myself up a little bit, and I didn't like it. Uh, On Easter Sunday, then he is, say, on Saturday, August 3rd, or Monday, August 4th. As long as Christ sits on the meditorial throne, every day is a good day, and all days are days of salvation. Neither does place matter in this blessed work of believing God. Lift your heart and let it rest upon Jesus, and you are instantly in a sanctuary. Thought it to be, uh, though it be bed or a factory or a kitchen, you can see God from anywhere if your mind is set to love and obey him. Now, someone may ask, is not this of which you speak for special people such as monks or ministers uh, who have been the, who have by nature the of their calling more time to devote to quiet meditation. I am a busy worker and I have little time to spend alone. I am happy to say that the life is, uh, I describe is for every one of God's children. Regardless of calling, it is in fact happily practiced every day by many hardworking people and is beyond the reach of none. Many Many have found the secret of which I speak, and without giving much thought to what it is going, what is going on within them, constantly practice this habit of inward gazing upon God. They know that something inside their hearts sees God, even when they are compelled to withdraw their conscious intention in order to engage in earthly affairs. There is within them a secret communion always going on. Let their attention but be released for a moment from necessity. Uh, from necessary business, and it flies at once to God again. This has been the testimony of many Christians, so many that even as I state it thus, I have a feeling that I am quoting, though from whom or from how many I cannot possibly know. I do, I do not want to leave the impression that the ordinary means of grace have no value. They most assuredly have private prayer should be practiced by every Christian. Long periods of Bible meditation will purify our gaze and direct it. Church attendance will enlarge our outlook and increase our love for others. Service and work and activity are all good and should be engaged in by every Christian. But the foundation of all these things, giving meaning to them, will be the inward habit of beholding God. Mm. A new set of eyes, so to speak, will develop within us enabling us to be looking at God while our inward eyes are seeing the scenes of the passing world. Mm. Someone may fear that we are magnifying private religion out of, all, uh, out of all proportion, that the us in the New Testament is being displaced for a selfish I. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are for one accord by... Uh, by being tuned, not to each other, but to uh, another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be, uh, than they could possibly be were they to become 
unity conscious mm. and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. Social religion is perfected when private religion is purified. The body becomes stronger as its members become healthier. Oh, yes. The whole church of God gains when the members that comprise it begin to seek a better and higher life. Let's get them gains, y'all. All of the foregoing pre, uh, presupposes true repentance. I'm going to read that again. Worse. All of the foregoing presupposes true repentance and I full and a full commitment to the life of God. It is hardly necessary to mention this for only individuals who have made such a commitment will have read this far. When the habit of inward gazing Godward uh, of inwardly gazing Godward becomes fixed within us, we shall be ushered onto a new level of spiritual life more in keeping with the promises of God and the mood of the New Testament. The triune God will be our dwelling place, even while our feet walk the low road of simple duty here among men. We will have found life's sum, summum bonum, the highest good, uh, the highest good indeed. There is the source of all delights that can be desired. Not only can not better be thought out by men and angels, but not better can exist in mode of being. For it is the absolute maxim of every rational desire that which a, a greater cannot be. Do you want to read the prayer? Sure. O oh Lord, I have heard a good word inviting me to look away to thee and be sanctified. My heart longs to respond, but sin has clouded my vision till I see thee but dimly. Be pleased to cleanse me in thine own uh, precious blood and make me inwardly pure so that I may with unveiled eyes gaze upon thee all the days of my earthly uh, pilgrimage. Then shall I be prepared to behold thee in full splendor in the day when thou shalt appear to be glorified in thy saints and admired in all them that believe. Amen. 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 Do you want to do some initial feedback? Sure. Yeah. Or do you want to just go ahead and fast forward to the... We can do some... I mean, I have like two thoughts. Yeah, let me hear them. Um, two things that really stuck out to me. One was the... I'll go in chronological order of the chapter. One was whenever the man who's seeking to like purify himself who finds himself continually stumbling over the same thing that like whenever he looks at Christ and stops looking at himself and tinkering with his soul then he will find freedom whenever he like looks at Christ and the nature of faith being like an eyeball that can't look at itself it can't see itself but yes. only sees the one of which it is beholding yes so that really stuck out to me and then also uh the image of pianos being tuned to a one fork. Yes. That really stuck out to me too at the end. Mm. Whenever he was talking about we can't be focused on... On unity. Yeah, if I'm focused solely on being unified with you and everyone around me, um, it's going to be a mess. But whenever I focus on... Whenever we're all focused on being unified with Christ, yes, then we're all unified together. 
Yeah, have you ever experienced that? Like sometimes you experience that within music, like because if if it's basically like if there's not one standard to tune off yeah. of, then if this guitar tunes, if it basically if you just tune to the guitar next to you and you go down a line of a hundred guitars, there's only a slight variation between each guitar, mm-hmm. very very slight. But by the time you make it to the hundredth guitar, it's way off. Yeah. Okay, and it's the same thing like even like within carpentry. If yeah. you have a cut that you're like basing, this is your, this is kind of your, uh, what would it be called? Your template that you're mm-hmm. cutting off of. Uh, if you're using that to measure each board, well, if you lose track of your original board and then you just start measuring each one by the last cut you made, it's the same thing, 100 cuts down the line. Mm-hmm. There's been a slight variation in each, and now you're way off. Now you're an inch off, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it's the same thing. It's like if we're sitting here trying to focus on being unified with each other or if we're only like figuring out how to follow Christ based off of each other, like there's these slight variations that happen. But if we all tune to Jesus, uh, I think that we're unified and that we're also, we're unified because we're following God and following Jesus in the way that he, closer to what he intended, right? Yeah. That's a re- I like that one a lot. Yeah, I'd say my, um, my knee jerk uh, would be like, I think it's, think it's beautiful how he highlighted that this is available to any man any woman any person on this earth that would lift up their gaze the gaze of their soul to jesus that it doesn't take special equipment it doesn't take a special Mm -hmm. pedigree it doesn't take a special knowledge uh that you just you just have to turn your your gaze upon jesus and he took this really like uh kind of this mystical and like hard to define thing that is faith like he even points out that like the bible barely defines faith you know like (laughs) it's like uh he took this mystical thing and he really he really simplified it in a way that i think is applicable to us like Mm -hmm. it's about what we do with our internal eyes Mm -hmm. right uh that if we will just stop what we're doing that any layman doing any activity can can stop and choose to internally look at god uh there's something beautiful that happens in that and there's an interaction with him, and it's called faith, right? Yeah, I really appreciate this chapter. Um, I think that's our initial response. We're going to take a short break, and then we will come back with a uh, a summary. Deuces. <laughs> So uh, that break may have been short for you, but it was long for me and Kevin. Uh, we had some interesting stuff. We got some randos trying to FaceTime me through my iCloud account. We believe that they're like junior high kids in California. Yeah, we th- they're they're from California. Is their area code is and they <laughs> and like uh, yeah, they're probably younger than junior high. They're, they're probably like, like middle school. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff that they're saying in the group message, and then like I tried to answer it. Like, and then I heard this voice and said, ah, it's Pierce. <laughs> I just hung it up immediately. <laughs> so, and I'm trying to message them, say, hey, this is not who you yeah, think it is. You they know, have whatever. the wrong email address. Anyway, lots of distractions to take your inward gaze away from Jesus is what we're trying to say. And so yeah. uh, this, this interlude may have been short for y'all, but it was a little longer for me and Kevin. Uh, but we were just talking about kind of the, the way that we want to summarize this is, uh, it's really all about faith, um, obviously. It's all about uh, what you're doing 
what you're doing inside of yourself. And like this is all of the intangible stuff that can sometimes be very hard to explain. Uh, and like we said before, uh, Tozer's kind of saying like the Bible barely even mm-hmm. defines faith. And, and it doesn't define it in its essence. It, define it defines it in, like, the way that it works. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, but, it's, but the Bible does that kind of stuff, I believe, on purpose. Hmm. Uh, that it, it, it leaves some things to be explored by us, yeah. and it leaves some things in purposeful paradoxes so that, so that they proclaim even better how God cannot be put in a box and stuff like mm. that. And so um, I think this is, that faith is something for us to explore. Uh, there were a couple things that we pointed out uh, that that really that we liked. Uh, one was about how uh, I said earlier how I liked the way that he made it about what you're doing with your eyes, like your internal eyes, uh, and uh, and yeah, that's that's there. There's it's not a tangible eyesight. Yeah, uh, it's more of an attention of your soul. Uh, what Hebrews eleven six says is that you have to. It's impossible to please God without faith. Because you have to believe that he exists mm. and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So the word seek at the core is about seeing and mm. where you're putting your eyes and looking for. To seek is to look for. Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to be diligently looking for God, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I think that it's all about our attention. So it says a few things in there. Um, one of them being uh, about how he, he says... Really, you can be doing anything else that would take your attention away from God. There's wicked things that would take our attention away from God. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also just monotonous, everyday things that would take our attention away from God. What he's trying to say is if you have to give your attention to someone else, for one, really you can you can still like be thinking of God even while you're doing those things. But then if it takes your attention, your direct attention away from God, then your attention should return back to God directly after you finish with yeah. whatever task has taken you out of, of thought and out of looking at God. Hmm. Yeah, and so uh, I really, really like that. Uh, there's been times in my life where I've seen that as like, oh, man, that's pretty impractical. Like, I don't know if I could really do that. Uh, there's also been times where it's like, yeah, of course. Uh, the only thing I want to think about, the only, the only, the only thing I want to s- think about the only person I want to talk to, uh, the only thing I want to do is to be near to God. Um, and so it makes great sense to me in those times. This is, I believe, an invitation uh, that Tozer, that the Bible gives to us that Tozer is trying to highlight. Yeah. Uh, have you, did you find the quote on there? Well, I was looking at, um, there's another guy who wrote a book called, his name's Brother Lawrence. He wrote a book called uh, The Practice of the Presence of God. Mm-hmm. Uh which I have not actually read. Yeah, <laughs> it's, on, yeah. it's on my Kindle, but I have yet to read it. Let's go, man. Um, but it's been recommended to me by uh, some people that I really respect. And so, Lots of smarty pants yeah. out there recommend this book to us. I haven't read it either, Kevin. He's older than A.W. Tozer, so it's even older language. What? Older but than Tozer? One of the big things that he... Uh, I understand that he explores in the <laughs> book, because I haven't actually <laughs> read it. Yeah, but, keep uh, going. Um, basically, being a, a Catholic monk, he spent a lot of hours in meditation. Yes. And then he also spent a lot of hours in peeling potatoes for the mm-hmm. kitchen and, yes. like, doing kitchen work and other things. And basically, he wanted to practice the presence enough that uh, that he would be just as much in the presence of God. 
as he was peeling potatoes, as he was in his like set aside, I'm going to sit quietly meditating on the word. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I just felt like that really corresponded with a with what A.W. Tozer is saying about um, we're all busy. We all have lives and the majority of us like it's not our job to sit and meditate. Um, but uh, that there is a possibility, a way of of interacting with God in such a way that even throughout our daily lives and throughout our busyness, throughout our peeling of potatoes, hmm. we still are like in in the presence of God. Amen. So yeah, amen. Yeah. So we wanted to highlight this is all about attention. Yeah. Where is your attention? Uh, I think that even. Even more so than in Tozer's time, we live in a distracted world. No doubt. Uh, so Tozer, a lot of the stuff that he writes, I couldn't believe how yeah. old this book was when I first found out because a lot of the stuff that he writes, it like it still applies so directly to our culture. I mm-hmm. think it's because uh, he was able to see like kind of where things were headed, uh, as well as really see currently, you know, where they were during his time. Uh, but yeah, I think that. He he probably couldn't have foreseen that we would have like magic devices in our yeah. pockets that literally anything we could think of, mm-hmm. we can go find it on a screen and we can look at it and give mm-hmm. our attention to it. For hours. For hours. He couldn't have foreseen yeah. that there would be there would be apps on our phone with software written to basically figure out what grabs our attention best. And to feed us a healthy diet of that, as as long as it could, as long as an app can grab us, it will grab us. It will grab our attention. What do you, what do you think the enemies of attention were in Tozer's time? Hmm. Like I mean, books. Yeah, I think it could be pictures, radio. Was he around <laughs> during radio? What was the enemies of attention? Trees. <laughs> <laughs> what is this geezer looking at? <laughs> Anyway. No, I really don't I was know. Just That's actually a good question. Was he, I think he was around during radio. For and sure. And TV. You yeah. think TV, like early TV? Yeah, like early TV. I don't TV remember the, what was the time period that he was, was I it, think, was uh, it 1900s? He was 19, like 60s. Like okay, 19, yeah, yeah. 1940s is when this was first released, but okay. I think it was even continued to be edited throughout like the 60s or whatever. I may be way off, but I believe I that's it. no idea. Um, so I think, man, we should know this. It's Tozer re- Tuesday, bro. I researched all of this like I did too. two months ago. I did too. And I was like, I want to remember that. But look, something <laughs> grabbed my attention away from it and I can't remember it. So, uh, but, but really, like, I think that he had a little bit of TV, but it would have mostly been, I think he's more talking about day-to-day life. Yeah. Uh, of like, man, I've got to, mm. I've got to. I gotta feed the pigs, man. Somebody's gotta slop them pigs, you know. Yeah, I gotta crunch the numbers on my accounting desk. Yeah, or whatever it is, you're something doing. like that. Yeah, like uh, I think he's more talking about like which, which honestly, is a lot better than what we have. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like at least they were doing things that made a difference in the real world. Yeah, for the most part, not not all together, but for the most part, what we do online doesn't make a real difference in in the real world. Yeah, I deleted an app off my phone. I had a game on my phone. That I'm shameful. I'm ashamed to say it was stealing a lot of my time. Yeah. And I just realized what did it for me is I realized last night that I've been away from my daughter for a long time, and that I played with her for a while, but then I went to go see like what I could do on this game because I hadn't played it in a long time either. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm giving my attention to a game yeah. instead of my daughter. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. So this morning on my drive to to the office, I deleted it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it was uh, honestly a lot to do with God too, because like, really, Rhodes, my daughter, is part of what I want to give my attention to. But mm-hmm. ultimately, like this chapter is saying, I want my attention to be given to God. Yeah. That I chomp at the bits. I I I I jump. I leap at every chance that I get to yeah. spend time, like quality time, giving my attention towards Him. Right. Yeah. But stuff like that game, stuff like the apps on my phone, social media apps, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all that stuff. Yeah. Now there's there's new apps, right? There's new there's like TikTok for the younger generations. <laughs> which, you know, I've only heard the legend of TikTok. Yeah. Um doesn't make any sense. And I've to certainly me. come across videos making fun of TikTokers. Uh, you know, Kevin, do you wanna you wanna try to make a TikTok? Me and you, where we're like talking about Tozer? <laughs> That'd be hot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, yeah, it's not going to happen. Um, it was a joke, just so you know. Don't get your hopes up. But even even Tozer seems to be saying that the actually the productive things even are enemies of even the productive things yes. are enemies of our attention. Yes. And um and how there th- it's easy for us to see how the unproductive things are enemies of our attention. Yes. But Tozer's saying even the productive things, even the schoolwork, even the yes. um, even the accounting work, even the farm work, all of it is enemies of our attention of God. Yes. And really the most, the only important thing is being with our creator. Yeah. And cool. so, yeah. yeah. And I think he's trying to give us a way through all those things. Because, like, those things have to be done. The pits yeah. have got to be slopped, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, those things have got to be done, the productive things. And I think he's trying to give us a way through mm. those to, to still somehow have our attention given to God and then trying to encourage us. But then when you're done with that, please return to, like, giving your full attention to the Lord. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, I think because he's, he's saying, like, um, there's something he said at the beginning that I need to find. Something he said at the beginning of the chapter that was kind of alluding to that concept. Let's show you here. Oh, yes. Yeah, he was saying uh, it doesn't matter where you are or when you are or even, like, what tools you have at your disposal that you're no further or closer to God, whether yeah. you're uh, whether you're at the church or you're no further or closer to God, whether it be Easter Sunday or, you know, August 3rd, you know, Thursday. You know, like, yeah. uh, he's, he's saying, like, that this is available to us at all times uh, and that it's something to enter into as much as we can, like, that our inward gaze can constantly be on God, uh, even if it's slightly distracted at times by the necessary the necessary distractions, you know, quote-unquote mm. necessary. Um that still uh, our our attention can be fixed on God even in the middle of those things. Yeah, I do like the way that he uh, highlights that faith is the uh, least self-regarding of the virtues. Um, he says that it it scarcely looks upon itself and looks inwardly, but that really its focus is on God. Uh, and I like that a lot, man. I talk to so many people that are in that are that are. They're they're kind of in a pit of of kind of self centered, mm. really like self centered sadness. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that the longer they look at themselves, it seems like the worse that they are. But if we would take our mm-hmm. our inward gaze and our inward attention, and I think that might be something that he was referring to. Also, 
is that they didn't have outward attention grabbers as much as we do, mm. but they had inward ones. Yeah, for sure. Where they would certainly get they could certainly get lost in their inward thoughts. Yeah. Right? So he's saying like, man, I want to give my inward attention and my gaze to the Lord, so that I'm not sitting here thinking about myself all the time uh, and how what people think about me. And I've watched this concept blossom people mm-hmm. that if people would stop thinking about themselves and when they walk into it, when, when a person walks into a room, you can see it on them, mm-hmm. whether they're self-conscious mm-hmm. or God conscious, mm. you know, well, like yeah. if someone's self-conscious, you can see it on them. They're like looking around they're examining and, and, people. and they're thinking, they're not thinking, Oh, I wonder how this person's doing. They're thinking, what does this person think about me? Yeah. You know, and you watch it, you watch it like limit people and keep them from really interacting with people the way that God's made us to interact with each other. Mm. But if they're conscious of God, they're saying, Lord, how can I bless these people in the room around me? Man, I wonder how Kevin's doing. I wonder, like, he's got a little baby girl. I, like, I wonder how she's doing. Is she okay? Is there anything I can pray for them about? Or, yeah. You know, and your yeah. mind, your mind goes to, uh, to God and to others and how you can bless them. And you're not, you, it's, it's like this awesome way of being. And it causes you to walk and to move with your, your faith set on God. Uh, and it causes you to walk and to move in freedom. Yeah, no doubt. There was, I was just trying to look at it. I completely lost where it was. But uh, I mean, we've already said all of it that I was thinking about saying. But there is one part that I was talking about. Our inward eyes can be focused on the Lord as our outward eyes like see what's happening around us. And like yeah. we're just living throughout the world, but our inward eyes can continue to see Jesus. Yes. And that's exactly just everything we were talking about. But I can't find it. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, no worries. Um, I like the way that he depicts God's eyes looking back at us. Mm. That like, if we would choose, if we would choose to like stop looking at ourselves, or stop looking at our circumstances, or stop looking at the world around us, or quite literally to stop looking at our phones. Yeah. Uh, and all the stuff that's on there, but if we we would choose to look towards heaven and to look into the face of God. He, he depicts, like, the face of God looking back at us uh, as, like, being this kind-eyed, uh, loving face that is saying, mm. like, I'm so glad you've chosen to engage with me. Yeah. You know, like, he says that the eyes of God are searching to and fro, searching all throughout the earth is what the Psalms say, uh, looking for anyone who would be faithful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we want to we wanna seek after God because he is sought after us, right? And when we seek him, when we seek him with, with all of our hearts, the word says that we find him. He rewards those who diligently seek him. Yeah. That's a beautiful depiction to me. Yeah, I think um, this chapter, I mean, all the chapters of Tozer have been pretty convicting. Mm. I think this one is equally so. Just mm. like um, putting a, Allowing me to like see my see myself and like see challenging, convicting on my relationship with Jesus, but yeah, and even with the uh, the tuning fork yes il- uh, analogy about yes. like being tuned to Jesus, we become unified together. Hmm. I think a lot of times I find myself even what what you were just talking about about like being self conscious hmm. about like. 
um, and that limiting me on how I relate to the people around me. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, and this even like relates all the way back to earlier in the chapter where he was saying, um, and the other thing that I mentioned at the end of the of the reading. Yes. Um, there's like two ways I could go about it. I could like try and add confidence to myself and like yes. tinker with my soul. Yeah. Yeah. Or I could just stop looking at myself. Yes. Um, and so, which obviously the correct answer would be to stop looking at myself and start looking at Jesus. Yeah. And in doing so, I would become unified with the people around me. Yes. But so often, um, Especially we those who are, into, who are trying to tune themselves to the same fork, yeah, right? Yeah, that's really good. Especially to the people who are tuned to the same fork. Yeah. Um, whereas before I would have, like, been looking at them, how can I, like, which obviously, or looking at myself about how can I make them like me. Yeah, dude, yeah. But now I'm looking, we're both looking at Jesus and we're unified. Dude, that's so. right. That's I mean, that is, in a way, being focused on unity. It's just a kind of a worldly way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if there's really another way <laughs> to focus on unity wrong, right? Yeah. Like, it's a worldly way, but it's certainly rampant in in Christianity, or at mm-hmm. least in my experience and my own heart and the hearts of those around me, you know? Yeah. Um, but just stopping and saying, like, God, I just, I'm focused on you, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how, what do you want, what do you want me to do here? And, like, not thinking of what others are thinking of me or how I can get them to like me or how I can get them to think I'm cool or funny or any of that, but just thinking like, God, how can I serve you here and serve these people here? That's pretty, that's pretty hot, Kevin. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it, uh, I'm reminded of another quote that I've heard about like humility Mm. and that it's not thinking less of myself, but thinking of myself less. Yeah. Um, that like I would be thinking of myself less because faith, what A. W. Tozer is saying, faith isn't yeah. isn't able to see me like mm. I'm looking out. So yeah, I think um, this this reminds me of what I was trying to find earlier, uh, which is he 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 says like man I don't I'm not trying to discount like the traditional ways of like seeking God or finding God. Like mm-hmm. he's like man prayer and meditation. It rocks. I love oh, it. Yeah, yeah. Like seeking, like seeking God in Scripture. Keep it going, buddy. I love <laughs> it. Uh, church, go to it. It's great. You know, like he's trying to say, like, no, I fully believe in all that. He's trying to say there's something deeper here, though. Uh, and like he's he's kind of like pushing back against people who might say of those statements, man, you need to make sure you don't, you know, you don't like elevate uh, personal uh, experience yeah. with God too high and stuff like that. But he's saying like. But, man, that's where it all is. Like, that's what's going to unify us is if yeah. we would actually have real, raw, personal experience with God. Yeah. Uh, so I think he's trying to say, like, pursue God in those things. Pursue God in prayer. Pursue God in uh, in reading the word. Pursue God in, in the gathering together of believers. Do mm-hmm. it. But push deeper to where all the other things in your life aren't just time fillers and space and, and space fillers. Mm-hmm. Push deeper to where all those other things are are also enriched with the presence of God because your attention has been given to him during mm. those times too. Yeah. The truth is, it, so it's easier to give our attention to God during church. The truth is, even then, we still yeah. don't give it to him sometimes. Yeah, no doubt. You know, we're thinking about like, ah, oh, look at the way these people are worshiping over here, you know, or like. Yeah, or I don't like this song. Or I don't or, like this song, or what are we going to eat after this? You yeah. know, like our brain, 
It wants to give our our fallen fleshly mind wants mm-hmm. to give its attention to everything other than God. Yeah. But we have to say, listen here, brain. <laughs> you better get in line. I own you. <laughs> <laughs> our attention is going to be given to to Jesus. Yeah. Because He's the beautiful one, right? And in that, like that's that's what enriches our whole life. And so, so please pursue God and all those things, but also like like. Give your attention, put your spiritual eyes on God in a way that you're seeing him in everything, and you'll live a faith-filled life. You'll have a walk of faith that is so beautiful and is so enriched, you know? So I'm going to read the prayer at the end again. Do you have anything else to add, Kevin? No, I don't. I mean, I think we've we've covered it about... Attention, man. Know, we could attention. talk a lot about this, you know? Like, we could talk a lot about attention yeah, uh, and where it's given. Uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Oh, Lord... I have heard a good word inviting me to look away to thee and be satisfied. Amen. My heart longs to respond, but sin has clouded my vision till I see thee but dimly. Be pleased to cleanse me in thine own uh, precious blood and make me inwardly pure so that I may with unveiled eyes gaze upon thee all the days of my earthly pilgrimage. Then shall I be prepared to behold thee in full splendor in the day when thou shalt appear to be glorified in thy saints and admired in all them that believe. Amen. 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 Yeah, so that's our prayer for our eyes, God, is that you purify them and that you would give us eyes to see you in everything. That we would never just do homework, that we would never just go to work, that we would never just go to the grocery store that we would never just be at home with our parents hanging out, that we would never just be uh, taking care of our kids, like whatever stage of life that we're in. But God, open our eyes to be able to see you in all things. We live faith-filled lives that are enriched by your goodness. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. We thank you so much for being with us, God. Amen. 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 So, we, like I said, we could say a lot more about chapter 7. Uh, about the inward gaze of the soul. We say a lot more about our attention, but we're going to wrap it up there. But I, I want to encourage you to explore this more throughout this week with the Lord and to say, like, God, where is my attention going throughout the day? Mm-hmm. That means you need to look at, like, how much time you're spending on your phone. Like, the, the stats are there. As ugly as they are and as much we want to avoid looking at them and facing ourselves, right? The stats are there on your phone, right? You can go look at it. I have an Android, so I don't think <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, but... But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, getting real with yourself, you yeah. Know? Like, man, where's God, do I give my attention to you? Yeah, where's my attention? You know, here's what I wanted to say too. And we're gonna wrap it up with this. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> I heard someone say once, uh, the thing that you actually love is the thing that your attention goes to when you have free time to think. Wow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing that you actually love. Now that's pretty convicting if you let it be. Yeah. Do you love hunting? Do you love fishing? Do you love mountain biking? Do you love, I don't know, editing films? <laughs> yeah, hobbies of any kind. Yeah, like all these things that they, they gain the affection of our heart and thereby gain the attention of our heart. Yeah, and so, yeah, I want to leave you with that. Let your inward gaze, let your attention behold the Lamb of God and then never stop beholding Him. Amen. 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 So that wraps up chapter 7 for us. We're, we're going to do chapter 8. 
I think we'll actually hit y'all with that on a Tuesday, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> you know how this thing rolls, Let's y'all. Not get too. I <laughs> get crazy. Let's not get here making promises. Yeah. About being punctual. You want to name this thing Tozer Tuesday? Who knows where our inward gaze will take us, Kevin? <laughs> Next week it's going to be restoring uh, the creator-creature relation. That's pretty hot. And I think we're going to love it. It's going to be chapter 8. So read through that, and we'll read through it with you next week. We love you guys so much. Thank you for joining us. Amen. Amen.